the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, and we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, expert on the cults, and one of my dearest friends from way back in the day, (laughs) Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part two in our brand new series entitled The Ten Disturbing Claims of Christ. These ten claims of Christ will either draw you or drive you from Christ. It is our hope that they will draw you to him. These ten claims of Christ were so disturbing to the religious leaders of his day that they wanted to kill him. These ten claims of Christ even today still disturb all the false religions and the cults of the world who do not know the historic Jesus of the Bible. So we're going to learn about these 10 disturbing claims of Christ and much, much more. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that challenging and uplifting introduction. And we pray that God will touch your hearts tonight as you hear from his word regarding these 10 disturbing claims of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Tonight, what I'm going to do is spend some time just going back to my introduction. And I'm going to develop this introduction in relationship to the 10 disturbing claims of Christ. And I would uh, challenge you to take notes and uh, apply these principles that you'll be learning as a way of introduction to these uh, 10 disturbing claims, because, you know, we learned last time that in Mark 2, 1 through 12, that Jesus healed the paralyzed man, and uh, they were blown away with that. And they uh, said, the religious leaders, the hounds of hell, who can forgive sins or sin but God alone? That's, that was true, because Jesus was God and God alone. And before we get into this uh, second disturbing claim, I want to just go back to my introduction, and we may not get into the second one, but we will do that the next time. Um, all of the synoptic gospels, those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, actually, not John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are known as the synoptic gospels. And John is separate from those. Um, All of them are similar in their writings, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, they bring out different themes. And I want you to take note of the different themes of each one of these writers, including John as well. The theme of Matthew is that Jesus is king. The theme of Mark 
is that Jesus is servant. The theme of Luke is that Jesus is man, and the theme of John is that Jesus is God. That is why I encourage people, new believers, to start off with the Gospel of John because it teaches about the person, nature, and work of Christ. We call that Christology, dealing with the person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ. That's what that word means, Christology. And John starts off like uh, different from the other gospel writers in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he says in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John introduces his gospel teaching that Jesus was God. Now, This was one of the most disturbing claims uh, that Jesus and the writers ever did regarding uh, the nature, person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, This book of John is a book that all of the cults hate. (laughs) And whatever book that they hate, you need to love, and you need to know, and you need to be able to know it and to defend it. That's something very important. All of the world religions, the cults, and false teachers and heretics and aberrant teachers hate the gospel of John and wish they could cut out uh, most of all of the writing of the gospel of John. Because the gospel of John teaches not only that Jesus is God, but it teaches as you continue to read from verses 1 through 3, that he's also the creator and that he's God incarnate in the flesh. They hate the gospel of John. Whatever they hate, you need to love, and you need to know it, and you need to know how to defend it. Uh, The gospel of John teaches that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. And now, make a note of this. And my mentor taught me this a long time ago. Dr. Walter Martin, the late Dr. Walter Martin, that all of the cults share one common trait, and they do not deny this. They all share one common trait. They all deny that Jesus Christ is God in human form and the only Savior of the world. And that is why they hate the Gospel of John. It is one of the most disturbing and troubling books for all of the cults and all of the false religions of the world today. And like I said, if they had their way, they would cut it, cut the Gospel of John out. And that's one of the reasons why all of the cults have uh, created their own cultic books. All of them have other books other than the Bible. Now, uh, this is... Uh, the way the cults operate. If they cannot get the Bible to say what they want it to say, they create words to say what they want it to say. And that's why the Jehovah's Witnesses, when it comes to the Gospel of John, uh, in the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, with a capital G. They've substituted the Word, capital G, to a little g. Uh, That is blasphemy, and 
eisegesis of Scripture, reading into the text what you wanted to say, rather than taking out of the text what the Bible says. So, the Gospel of uh, John, uh, by way of introduction, is the most troubling gospel in the New Testament. You know what the most troubling book in the Old Testament is? And it is a type of the Gospel of John. Make a note of this. It is the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is similar to the Johannian Gospel, the Gospel of John. Why? Because in the Gospel of John, John mentions the word I am over 23 different times, at least 23 different times. In the book of Isaiah, you have the I am he all over the place, everywhere, chapter after chapter. And a lot of the cults, they hate also in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. It is a very disturbing book. Now, I want to bring out these points to you. Jesus was either the greatest liar, the greatest fake, the greatest fraud, the greatest hoax the world has ever known, or he was who he claimed to be. And Jesus demonstrated that he was who he claimed to be. And he even told the people, if you don't believe me for who I am, believe me for the very work's sake. You don't find no other cult leader, no other religious leader, ever walking on the water or turning the water into wine and doing all the miracles that Jesus did and the greatest miracle come back from the dead. Muhammad is still dead. And then all of the other leaders, Buddha, Zoroaster, Confucius, and when they named Confucius, they picked a good name because he only confused people. But all of the cult leaders, including uh, those who claim to be God, are dead in the grave. But Jesus lives. And he says, I am. There's that word again. I am. <laughs> the resurrection and the life. And when he uses the word I am, that is a claim of deity going back to Exodus. You know, and that's so true, where God says in the book of Exodus that before uh, he goes on to talk about I am that I am. And then Jesus comes on later on and says, before Abraham was, I am. And that's why they wanted to kill him, because he was claiming to be God. Now, this is a startling claim This is a troubling claim, and it's a shocking claim, and it's an amazing claim. And it disturbed the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I call them the hounds of hell. And every time Jesus claimed to be God or the Son of God, and next time we will be getting into his claim as the Son of God, They wanted to kill him every time he not only claimed to be God and using the I am, but they wanted to kill him because he claimed to be the son of God. Why? Well, we'll get into that next time, and I'll kind of like break that down for you. So his enemies, when they heard him claim to be the I am or the son of God, they wanted to kill him because they knew he was claiming to be God. Now, listen to this. You don't have to go too much further when you say this, when you're dealing with cults and isms and false religions. Just tell them that, look, if you read the Gospel of John and the Gospels, 
you find over and over again that his enemies wanted to kill him every time he claimed to be God. His enemies know more about his claims than you and I today because they lived during the time of Jesus. They heard his teaching. And what did they want to do? Kill him every time Jesus claimed to be God. They were the first, right? To start a rock concert. Every time he claimed to be God, they wanted to rock his world and destroy him. So those divine claims of Jesus Christ is powerful, startling, disturbing, convicting. And they're so convicting that some people got convicted by the claims and others got disturbed by the claims. What about you, my friend? Are you convicted by his claims tonight? Are you disturbed? Are you troubled? Are you troubled with no peace about his his claims? Well, we're praying that you will believe in his claims and uh, claim those claims. Like uh, Pontius Pilate's wife, she couldn't sleep at night because of those divine claims. She was hunted, tormented, because those divine claims was disturbing to her. And one of the things that we try to do today is bring people at peace and rest in the claims of Christ. Just believe him. The Lord said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What does he mean by that? If you believe in God, believe also that he is God. Let not your heart be troubled regarding that, and you'll have a peace because he's the prince of peace. He's the mighty God, Isaiah 9 and 6, you know. And so our prayers right now for you tonight, that you will not be troubled that you'll find peace and rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We ask tonight that you will repent of your sins, recognize that you are a sinner, that you will repent of your sin, and that you will receive him. Those are three R's. Recognize you're a sinner. Say it right now with me. Pray with me right now. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner. That's the first R. Second R, I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins, and I turn to you. And the third R, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior and Creator, the one who created everything, the one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and nothingness became a creation. Oh, my friend, You know what? Jesus is right here, right now, ready to receive you. And if you prayed that prayer, he has received you. You know, Thomas was a doubter. He didn't believe in Jesus like he should have. And when he saw him, he says in Greek, O kurios mo keo theos mo, the Lord of me, the very God of me. And I want you to say that tonight about Jesus. He's Lord and God of your life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. And once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 You know, we get so much joy out of the 
opportunities that we have to lead people to Christ. And tonight was one of those special moments, and we believe that someone out there, whether they were in their car or at home or even on the job, they heard that invitation to receive Jesus as their Savior, and we believe someone got saved tonight, and we are just going to rejoice knowing that that's you know, part of the mission that God has given us here at Contending for the Faith. It is so important that we continue to do what God has called us to do, and uh, we can't do it without your prayers, and we want to begin by thanking everyone who has been praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your diligent prayers and your faithful giving, We could never have been on the air for so many years. Uh, We want to thank those who gave over the past couple of weeks. We had uh, Michael and Mary, uh, June, Jackie, Meg and Benjamin, Bruce and Alfred. It costs us a whopping $400 a week to stay on the air and we need your help. We always need your prayers and we always need your consistent giving. It's just so critical. We can't do this without you. And if you've been blessed by this program and so many, many years of Dr. Buckner's teachings, uh, we want to, we just want to encourage you, partner with us financially. We don't want you to turn on the radio one Saturday night and find out that we are off the air due to lack of financial support. And, you know, God has kept us going and we believe he's going to keep us going, but it's going to be through your partnerships and through your prayers. That financial partnership is critical. We need your prayers, and we need your uh, consistent giving. It's so vitally important. And so we want to encourage you. There's two ways to donate. You can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Just go on your computer or your laptop, your tablet, smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and away you go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. And we always say one day we all will stand before God But I believe those of you who have been faithful in your giving, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, look behind you. And you're going to see a multitude of people in heaven. And you're going to say, Lord, who are these people? And the Lord's going to tell you, these are the folks that were brought into the kingdom as a result of your giving. We often give to ministries and ministries like Contending for the Faith, but we don't think about the long-term uh, eternal impact that those dollars are having on the lives of so many people. It is, it's real. And, and what we do is changing lives for time and eternity. And you're part of that through your giving. You're part of that through your prayer. So we want to encourage you continue to be consistent in both. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those uh, challenging words. And we trust that those who have heard it will uh, not only be hearers but doers uh, of uh, supporting us to do what we're doing every Saturday. We are committed to this. Uh, Gary comes all the way from Sacramento, 
And that's a long ways coming here mm-hmm. and a long ways going back in the dark. Yes, I know every bump on the road. <laughs> Amen. That's right. <laughs> and I come all the way from Tiburon, California. You know, it's not right around the corner, but we are committed. And if, if you support us and be consistent, we'll be able to be consistent with uh, coming here from a distance. And it's not easy. As Gary said, you know, we are both uh, married and so uh, we, our wives, you know, they uh, have been very uh, flexible with the situation here. And so, but we appreciate all that you have done in, our, in praying for us as well as supporting us. Continue to do that. All right, Brother Gary, let's get to our uh, callers. Well, first of all, we had Catherine who wants to take this, the answer to her question off the air. And her question is, why uh, do they pray to Mary in Catholicism, mm-hmm. right. That's a good uh, question. Uh, you know, in Catholicism, you have to understand that they have a principle of teaching called extra cathedra, and extra cathedra means that uh, uh, whatever the uh, Pope says, it becomes a reality. It's uh, God speaking through them uh, equally like he did with the apostles. Now, we know that that's not true because uh, God has said it all through the Word of God, and that's why it tells us where we get the name of our program, Contending for the Faith, in Jude 3, the faith has been once and for all delivered unto the saints. And uh, it tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, in sun-dry times, God spoke through the prophets, but in these last days speaks to us through his son. So God has said it all in Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as extra cathedra. Let me kind of give you an example. In uh, 1952, uh, Pope Pius XII had said that uh, Mary never did die physically, that she was bodily taken up. Now, uh, that's became a reality within the the Catholic Church, along with uh, uh, other things around Mary, you know, the rosary, and then you're dealing with the Immaculate Conception, I call the Immaculate Deception. <laughs> and uh, there are many other things uh, that uh, is problematic as well. So um, you just have to uh, let them know, like I said, from an apologetic standpoint, Jude 3 and Hebrews 1, and that, uh, they, you know, the Catholic Church has about 13 other books, apocryphal books, that they consider as equal to the Bible. So we just have to let them know that God has said it all uh, in Jesus Christ, and this extra cathedral thing is a very dangerous thing, and the Pope can speak whatever he wants to speak and say that this is something that God has given him, and it becomes equal to Scripture. That's uh, totally against the Word of God, and that's why there's such a problem. But uh, hopefully that answer helped you out. And understand that that stuff has gone back and forth. One pope says, no, Mary's not equal to God, and throws it out. Another one comes in, brings it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it gets really confusing. Yeah, very schizophrenic. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. All right. Well, we're ready to go to our first live caller. Yes, let's do that. We're going to go to Brother Rick. 
Brother Rick, how you doing? Good evening. I'm blessed. How about yourself? Well, we're truly blessed. Good to hear your voice as well. And what's on your heart tonight? Well, got a very, got a very interesting question because it, it goes all the way back to my days uh, being Jewish too. But now we, we we can ask the same question in Greek, mm-hmm. in Latin. I want to ask you to explain about the Imago Deo in terms of creation with man. And the difference between the, the Imago Dei related to Christ and related to man? Man, that's a very good question. Very good question. Well, when you look at Genesis 1 and 26, where it talks about God created man in his image and his likeness, in the Hebrew, uh, the and even when you deal with the word in Greek, Imago Dei, there's, you have to come up with three uh, aspects because, you know, there's threes throughout the Bible. So when we talk about man being created in God's image, we have to make note of three areas. That's intellect, the second one is will, and the other one is emotion. So God has created those three uh, within man to reflect him. So man has intellect, God has intellect, A man has a will to know good and and evil, know right and wrong, and he has emotion. And God has all of that, and that's the reflection of the Imago Dei within man. Now, um, so man was, was created in the image of God. The difference between the image of Christ, when we talk about that, like, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, that he is the glory of God and the express uh, image of God. The Greek word is that is stamped. He's the stamp image of God, the very image and likeness of God. In other words, Jesus uh, wasn't created to be in the likeness of God. He is the likeness of God because he's God. So he came to reveal who God is. And that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I am a reflector of who he is. I am the very essence, being, and character, the very stamp of the very essence and being and nature of who God is. So that's where you get the word in Hebrews 1 and 3. The key word is the express image. You don't hear that word express image related to man. It talks about God created man in his image and his likeness, reflecting those three, because you got threes throughout the Bible, right? Uh, uh, Peter denied him three times, three on the cross, and we got the Trinity, and then we have this three where the intellect. And it's interesting that dogs, you know, they don't have these heavy characters uh, characteristics here. You know, uh, like man does. So man is created in the imago day, reflecting the intellect, will, and the emotions of the very God by which uh, they've created. Now, one other note, I want to say this, that do you know what the number one thing that Satan goes after when he attacks man This is the thing that's really important. I want to have people to make a note of this and write this down. That when Satan, the way Satan 
hurts God is distorting, discombobulating the very image and likeness of God. So if he can get a man to turn or a woman turn away from the natural way that God has made them in his image and his likeness, which Satan is, is doing that today, and he's attacking the very essence and nature of man and distorting it and destroying it, and not and man is not being a reflector of his creator. Notice how that rhymes, a reflector of his creator. Therefore, the thing that, that Satan attacks the most, if he can distort and discombobulate and destroy the imago Dei, then he knows he can really hurt the very heart of God. And that's why he goes after man so much. He, he, he attacks that imago Dei because he doesn't want man to be a reflector of the creator. So hopefully that's helped out, and we need the whole armor on because without that, we are doomed casualties. You know, if we don't get equipped, we will get whipped by the enemy, and he can uh, influence us in so many ways. So uh, hopefully that helps out a whole lot. Amen. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You, that's something to chew on, and, and uh, chew on that, uh, digest it, and then let's talk more about that another time. I look forward to it. God bless. Thank you very much. All righty. Thank you, Brother Rick. We're going to go to commercial right now. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 888 3675329 Don't be shy, pick up that phone and let us know what's on your mind. Again, the number is 1-888 F O R K F A X. And you know, once again, we just want to thank all of you and encourage all of you to continue to pray for contending for the faith. It's so critical uh that you keep those prayers going up to heaven. Keep those prayers going up for Dr. Buckner, myself, Brother Manning, Brother Vince, the whole team, our families, put a hedge around us, protect us, keep us going strong so that we can continue to do the work that God has called us to do. And in addition to your prayers, please consider partnering with us financially so that we can continue to keep this ministry on the air every week. It costs $400 to to keep this thing going per week. And so we need your help constantly, consistently through your prayers, and through your financial giving. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, number one, send a check or money order, money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org. Use your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, whatever you got that will connect to the internet. Go online and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You will be a blessing for time and eternity, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. And let's get back to 
Our callers. Who do we have uh, next? Let's see. Who do we have next? Uh, let's see. We're going to go to Sophia. Welcome to Contending for the Faith. Sophia. Oh, hello, everybody. I tell you, I really miss you when you're not on the air. So it's a good, it is a well, good lesson. Thank, thank you so much. It's, uh, it means a lot to us when people miss us when we're not on the air, and several other people have told us the same thing. So thank you for those uh, encouraging words. Well, it's really more than miss you because, I mean, it, 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 you feed me so much. It, it's such nourishment that it's not just, oh, I missed you because I didn't hear. And, and boy, uh, what you were talking about earlier, that was so, so important. I think someone was saved tonight, too. And you know what? I say to that person, the more you get to know Jesus, the more he'll reveal to you and the more you'll love him. Now, what, what you said earlier was so important. I'm going to be very brief with this because I want someone else to get through. But I don't know. People really, I don't know what it is, Dr. Buckter. They, they hate, they, they're so, I, I think they're afraid of Jesus. But my in-laws, as you know, they're always coming at me. So it was Martin Luther King's birthday. So I went to my in-laws' house, and they're Jewish, and so um, they're telling me something very interesting, that he had changed his name from Michael to Martin. Now, it, they know how much he means to me, because I learned how to speak English. I'm from Poland. I learned how to speak English by listening to his speech, because it's so inspiring. So they know it's important. I'm thinking, well, this is so nice of them. But then they start showing me this documentary, not old, old footage, like news stuff, and they say, well, this is what your Christians did. And they're saying, and, uh, your Christians, what are, they're Jews. I mean, Jesus was a Jew. I don't understand why they don't love Jesus. But anyway, that's another story. So then they start telling me that the Nazis, they show these Nazis from World War II, and their, their defense was that they were just following the, the teachings of Martin Luther. Now, I, I started to cry. I said, don't, I don't want to hear about Nazis. And then they said, oh, no, but you see, because it, it, Martin Luther, um, uh, they, they were following Martin Luther, and Martin Luther King uh, took his name even though he was a Nazi. Now, how could Martin Luther be a Nazi? Because there were no Nazis during Martin Luther's time. But I'm so confused. I don't know what they're talking about. How could Jews, the Nazis in World War II, say they were using the teachings of Martin Luther, and it was okay to kill the Jews. Right, right. I, I hear what you're saying. Well, they, they, they're, they're using that because that, that was a time in Martin Luther King Jr.'s life where he had uh, studied uh, communism, and there were some principles of, of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s life that he uh, utilize some of the forms of communism, but not in a hateful way, but in a different way. So, who is Martin Luther? Well, Martin Martin Luther. The, Martin Luther was a Reformationist father back in the 1700s and so forth. That he was the one that protested against the Roman Catholic Church, and he nailed the 95 thesis on the Wittenberg Chapel saying the just shall live by faith because he didn't like the indulgences and stuff like that and a lot of the traditions and rituals in the Catholic Church. So he was a bishop in the Roman Catholic Church and he protested and that's how you get the word Protestant because he actually protested and then that was changed from the protesting to 
the word Protestant. So the Protestant movement began under Martin Luther, who rebelled against the Roman Catholic Church and protested. And then there was a group that started from Martin Luther known as the Lutheran Church. So the Lutheran Church started from there. Now, getting back to Adolf Hitler now, uh, what people have to understand what uh, Adolf Hitler, say a few things about him. The uh, thing that made uh, Adolf Hitler hate the Jews is because he had been taught under the teachings of Charles Darwin. And Charles Darwin was the father of the evolutionary uh, theories and all of that. But one of the things that... uh, Charles Darwin taught he was a racist, and he taught uh, he had a book called The Descent of Man. And in that book, The Descent of Man, he taught that blacks are a lower species and that Jews are too. And that the the, uh, Germans were a superior race, and they taught that the inferior race, especially with the Jews, they had to get rid of them. Now, uh, the Jews, I think the big mistake that a lot of them made, and there's no excuse for anybody to kill somebody with that, Mm -hmm. but uh, my mentor, Dr. Walter Martin, one time was in um, uh, Jerusalem, and there was a rabbi that stood by him, and he put his fists up in the air, and he says, why in the world did God allow six million Jews to die like that? And Walter Martin said, You know what? Uh, God has a purpose in everything uh, because uh, with the Holocaust, it caused the Jews to go back into uh, uh, Israel, and they became a nation in 1948. It took that Holocaust to snap them to go back. Now, the big problem with the Jews was this that they had no business going over there at, at, at the Germany in the first place because God told them to stay in the land. A lot of times when you don't do what God tells you to do, uh, a lot of trouble comes upon us. So they got their business people, industrious people, got there, and then all of a sudden uh, some things started going down, but it snapped them to go back to the land where they should have stayed in the first place, and then they became a nation in 1948 going back to the land. Wow. And that's where Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years, right, in Jerusalem? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, God. I'm so happy, Dr. Buck. This is why Contending for the Faith is so wonderful, because now I understand, and God has his hand on everything, everything. Right, and and, and that's Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And Joseph was right in uh, Genesis 50, what you intend for evil, he told his brothers, God will bring good. Well, thank you so much for your call. We're going to get to some more callers and appreciate your your question, and God bless you as well. Mm All right. All right, we're going to go to Dan in Sonoma. Hi, Dan, how you doing? Thank you. Very fine. Um, I wanted to ask you, because uh, some of the audience may have this book in their library, uh, whether they have the new edition or the old edition, but since I could only get it from Learning Ally, I got an audio version, and I got it from Bookshare, but they were the old editions of Kingdom of the Cult. And I was wondering, I haven't had any access to find out what it says in the revised copy of it, and what kind of material is introduced in the new version. 
Well, that's a good question. A lot of the material in the new is just a lot of updated stuff. But one of the things that uh, I was bothered by with uh, Hank Canagraph uh, was that in the original edition, uh, they had the Nation of Islam, the black Muslims in there, and then they stopped uh, having the Nation of Islam in there and the black Muslims, and then they put the Orthodox Islam. They should have kept both of them in there. But in the new editions and stuff like that, it's just updated stuff because, uh, you know, things have changed. You know, the Mormons have uh, grown. The Jehovah's Witnesses have grown. I'm getting ready to teach a class at Gateway Seminary uh, in another week on the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the uh, Nation of Islam. And then I'll also be dealing with the black Hebrew Israelites, so I'm going to be teaching students with master's degrees and doctorates and stuff like that. But the, the issue is here is that it's just updated information on the statistics and things where the growth and changes like that. But pretty much the essence is the same in terms of the teachings, and that has not changed. I wanted to just remember to mention that there were, although true, there were a lot of sad portions in the book, but then you get these bright lights that flash of encouragement. He would incorporate methodologies for evangelism and some really interesting and provocative articles in the book where he talks about basically sermons on house-to-house ministry and some other things that he had, the insights he put. If you search through it, you can find the sad portions and the happy portions in his chapters. So true. And Dan, it's good to hear from you. It's been quite a while, and we got to connect you with Brother Rick. He called in tonight, and he's been going through a lot with his diabetes and Parkinson, and so we're going to have him to give you a call. Be sure to leave your number, because Rick always enjoyed uh, talking with you, and it's good to hear from you, Brother. Keep us in prayer, and we'll do likewise for you. Thank you. It's a wonderful thing, and I also, he still has the same number that I still have, so I would be glad to hear from him. He's always wonderful when he uh, talks to me, and uh, maybe the people in the audience don't know how nice that fellow is, but he's a really good guy, and uh, we can pray for him. So, Yes, sir, we sure much. can. Thank you so much, and good to hear from you. Call more often. God bless you. All right, let's go to All right. who we have next. CC's on line one. CC, how are you doing? Uh, well, hey, good how you guys doing? Uh, we're truly blessed. We trust that you got encouraged by the word tonight. Man, did I get encouraged? I mean, with so much, so much information that, that I was trying to gather it all, but I can't. You know, so I'm just going to have to just break it all down. Amen. So good, though. Amen. And so, what's on your heart tonight? So we have about uh, two or three min- minutes or so. What's on your heart tonight? You have a question. Yeah, I want to ask you on Matthew chapter 7. Okay, and 15. what's your verse? Verse 15. Okay, you have your Bible there? Yes, yes I do. Okay, why don't you read it? It says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And I want to ask you that question also in relationship. I really want you to, uh, I know you don't have enough time to break it down with the Jehovah's Witnesses, and how, how does that tie into their passage and what they teach in? That was like my question right right uh well the the issue is here is that they 
He says, beware of false prophets. In other words, it's a warning. Beware of false prophets because uh, they talk uh, our language. They talk our terminology. But like the Walter Martin said in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults, you have to define it. They even say that they are Christian, and they even say that they are uh, they believe in Jesus. Well, when you, you always have to define terminology, you have to define language. So when you're talking to a Joe witness who says that he's a Christian, uh, you have to say, well, what do you, who do you say Jesus is? Remember Jesus had said to, uh, Simon Peter and, and, and the rest of the disciples, who do men say that I am? You know, the Christological question is to ask that Christological question, who do you say Jesus is? And when you talk to Joe Witness, they say that he's Michael the Archangel, he's a creation. But we believe that Jesus is the creator, not a creation. And all of the cults deny that Jesus is God. So you have to define it. So that's what false prophets will do. They will come uh, and they will say that they are the same as we are. And they notice prophets, but they're false prophets. And Jesus said, beware of them. And they come in sheep clothing. In other words, there were people in Jesus's day and there were people today who dress up just like us. They talk like us. Uh, but Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So when you, when you uh, read the whole uh, chapter here, he say, you'll know them by their fruit. Now, there are two types of fruit. There is number one, the life. And then there's number two, the doctrine. You know, uh, some people live lives that are in the cults that would put the average Christian to shame. But when you test their doctrine, you find that it's uh, heretical, it's uh, blasphemous, it goes against everything that we believe and teach. So we test the life and we test the doctrine. And out of out of those two, something to come up. You know, we are called by God to be, people say, you should never judge. Well, Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. So we are not to judge on outer appearances, but Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. So we are to judge. But you know, I'm not always called, let me say this in closing on this, I'm not always called to be a judge. But I'm always called to be a fruit inspector. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And so, anyway, we're going to pick up with this discussion some more, uh, CC, because we're almost at the end of the program. But uh, let's pick up with this next time you call and uh, develop this some more, okay? All right. Yes, 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 Elliot. All right. We'll pick up with this next time and deal with it some more. God bless you, brother. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments and dialogue with Dr. Buckner with always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.